invite you this morning to uh, open Scripture, if you have a Bible with you. I will be reading out of the Holy Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 2. This reading is typically reserved for some other time in the season, basically for towards the closing, because it is the story of the visitation of the wise man. How many of you have been to my house? Let me see the hands of those of you who have been to my house. I'm really looking for those of you who have not, so that I can do something about that. Ooh, okay. Party is coming up. <laughs> uh, and the idea is that if you go to my house, you will notice there's the theme in the walls of the house. Yeah, they're painted off-white or something like that. But there, there are paintings and there are uh, artifacts throughout my library, and they are basically the three wise men. Now, I, I am from Puerto Rico, and in Puerto Rico, the three wise men are very important for our, our culture. We celebrated the three wise men before we knew about Santa Claus. You know, Georgia, some people from another country came and told us about Santa Claus. And we like the idea because what happens is that we end up receiving gifts twice in the season. Yeah, Puerto Rican kids receive gifts twice for Christmas morning and Epiphany morning. We got it. So we celebrate a lot of hope through January the 8th. But this is the story. <laughs> She's laughing because she knows. Oh, yeah, did she do that here? Did grandma do that here? Do you get gifts twice? She does. Oh, it's spreading. They're also from the island. But listen to and for the word of the Lord as Matthew talks about the birth of Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. During the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the new king, the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, uh, this is a, a parenthesis. These are, king, uh, these are not kings. These are very, very wise people that came from probably Iraq or Iran way out there into the, into the uh, they went westward towards Jerusalem. And um, come on. These are the intellectuals of the age, Nate. And they got lost. You know why the wise men got lost? You don't know? Because they're men. <laughs> and they don't ask for directions. Ah, uh, Come on, where's my drummer? <laughs> Following the scripture. King Herod was, this, was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and theology and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born, he asked them. And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd to my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, Come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. We know. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And listen to this part. This is interesting. 
And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Can we repeat that? They were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worship. Then they opened their treasure's chest and gave him gifts of gold, gifts of frankincense, and gifts of myrrh. The word of the Lord. I have been sharing with you in the last few weeks since we began Advent. <coughs> a series of uh, teachings that we have called, What Child Is This? So if you have been coming here and you're not aware of that, you're going to notice that the song, What Child Is This? is being sung and repeated throughout our worship services because we want you to link the song with the teachings. We want this experience throughout Advent, the four or five Sundays of Advent and Christmas, to be what I call M&M worship. You know what that means? Meaningful and memorable worship, meaningful and memorable experiences that will not only give you a sense of, of, of belonging with God and gives you that sense of peace, shalom, of wellness with God, but will change your life and get you uncomfortable enough to do something different. So we've been talking about what child is this, child of odd and awe. And in the first Sunday, we, we talked about the oddness of God's peace. We talked about the awesomeness of God's peace. But we talked about God's peace, and listen to the language. It's God's peace, not our peace. It is God who sent the gift of peace in the person of Jesus Christ so that Jesus Christ would live, experience that peace, and impart that peace to us in one way or another, either through teaching or through the gift of the Spirit, which includes peace. In the second sermon last week, second teaching of Advent, we spoke about God's love. And last week, we discovered that God's love is unconditional. Our love is conditional. Is that true? Yeah. We pre-qualify before we <laughs> say hi. Even at that level. We pre-qualify the person before we even look at them because we, can, we have periphery. Those of us who still have periphery and shrinking. Why are you laughing? <laughs> but you see, this love that we discovered is not human love that is limited. It is broken. It is imperfect. It's hurting sometimes. We're talking about God's perfect, awesome, incredible, unmeasurable love. Notice the language. It is the peace of God which is a gift to you. It is the love of God, which is a gift to you. And today I want to, to dabble a little bit into the joy of God, the joy of God. What joy we get in this season. Well, I, I want to talk very briefly about the joy versus the joy of the Lord because we all experience joy. Actually, we use the word joy to explain happiness, Right? We use the word joy to, to describe a sense of gladness. Technically, it is not 
Happiness is not joy, but I'm not going to go there today. I just want to make emphasis that there is a joy that we do have in our lives. How many of you feel very joyful after a long cooking party? I mean, you cooked, every, the guests came and ate, and, and they're all satisfied, and they left you with gifts and with thanksgiving of appreciation, and they went home, and you go in that kitchen, and you scrub, and you clean, and you wipe, and, right? And then when you finish, you have that little candle somewhere, and you do this, <sighs> right? And you're tired, right? You may be exhausted, right, physically, but inside, you may be experiencing joy if the guests were good. <laughs> if it became a family drama situation, then you, thank God they're gone. And that's a different kind of joy. But you see, we experience this kind of joys. Actually, we go for this kind of joy to such a degree that we think we can make it happen eternally in our lives. We think we can fabricate this joy because basically to a deep, deep level, we think that this joy and this happiness is really achievable if we have more money. Come on, don't give me that. Of course, we very, very deeply, because the why we're not happy is, but what if I had, right? Shut that off. <laughs> you see, but, but what if I had more money, then I would be more happier. The millennials don't think that way. That's the following generation for the ones we're trying to learn how to do church for them. Remember that? We're still at it. They don't think that money is going to get them happiness. You think what they think is going to give them happiness and joy? Experiences. Oh, yeah. I see the commercials, right? Why own it if I can experience it? Have you heard that one? Why own it if I can just experience it? Yeah. So the millennials have a very different and very uh, different approach to what makes them happy. You see? But contrast to that happiness, which tends to be limited, expensive at times, and really not lasting, because we're only happy and we only experience this kind of joy as long as things are going which way? Can we say that again? As long as things are going which way? Exactly. Not your way. No, no, no. My way. No, my way. Not your way. My way. See the point? You're saying my way, but no, Susan, not your way, my way. Can we say that again? As long as things go, my way. no, my way. You see the selfishness of it all? <laughs> the point taken? Okay? So that kind of joy is very limited. But then Christ comes and he begins to present a different kind of joy. The, the, the text that Maria read was saying things that were very odd, very strange. How in the world a desert is going to become a garden with joy? What is that? Or was that an image or a shadow of those living waters that Jesus promises? How in the world the, the, the lions and the jackal are going to like... Remember last week, they were going to lie together? Like, we're not going to be 
wanting to eat each other up anymore? That's odd. And then to make it even more weirder, Paul tells the disciples in the new church, uh, which, by the way, we're part of it, just some centuries removed. So he's telling us, count it as joy when you guys are suffering. No. I didn't like that text when I was one of the little ones. But it's there. And even Jesus, he tells us, that the gospel tells us, uh, the, the epistles tells us that Jesus counted as joy to go to the cross. That's odd, isn't it? He even tells stories of people who gave what they had. And they were joyful, but they were poor. That's odd. So this joy that Jesus offers is a kind of odd joy. But he promises it. Join me in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The chapter begins with Jesus reminding us, I am the vine, you are the the what? The branches. Okay. I am the vine. You are the branches. Separated from me, you can do nothing. So he's developing that relationship, that interdependency that we have of God and Jesus. And then he says in chapter, in chapter 15, verse 11, listen to these interesting words of Jesus. He says the following, I told you all these things. Referring to the fact that we are one together, that you need me, that I am the one who's in charge and that you follow me. If you're not hanging out with me, then you don't belong to me, that kind of thing. I have told you these things for a purpose. Listen to the purpose. That my joy might be your joy. Let me say that again. Jesus is saying that my joy will become your joy, and that your joy will become holy or totally, completely mature. Whoa. So Jesus, who's going to promise me joy, He's not promising more money. He's not promising me more happy-go-lucky experiences on cruises and trips, which I like. He's not necessarily promising a rose garden. And if Jesus promised you a rose garden, beloved, there are thorns in there. Okay? That Jesus' joy may become our joy. And then our joy will be full. This is a transformational challenge that the joy of the Lord becomes our joy. Now, what, and, and I'm going to open this for people, for you to shout out nice things, <laughs> nice things at me. I want to ask you, what things do you think makes God, our Lord Jesus, joyful? Let's start with this section. What things do you think make Jesus joyful? Huh? When we show love, I think so. Would you agree? What else? Love 
humility, a broken and country, Jesus rejoices. Ooh, I, I think you better start writing that. You know, because that's why we have this, in, by the way, that's why we have these little things in the middle of the table. And I want to invite you now, as we discuss section by section, what kinds of things makes Jesus joyful? Write them down, and then you can take them to the tree and hang them up in our prayer tree. These are interaction for the sermon, okay? So I'm going to keep on preaching and teaching. So what else? Oh, I like that cake. What else makes uh, Jesus happy, joyful? Around here, any, any idea? Huh? Faithfulness, perseverance, sticking to it, I call it. Okay? What this section? Oh, I got a lot of people. Okay, come on. What things make Jesus joyful? Helping your brothers and sisters. What else? Praising His name, worshiping God. What else? Taking care of ecology. Give me five right there. Very good. We are stewards, not exploiters. Okay. What else? I saw a hand here. Maria. Uh, come on. Give it to me. Huh? Obedience. Oh, we don't hear that in the Presbyterian church. That's a Baptist word. Obedience. Onika. Huh? Unity. Yes. What else rejoices Jesus? Write those things down. Compassion. I heard here. Very good. What was that, Grace? Yeah, yeah, but, we, but you said something. Sharing. Grace, can you stand up? I want people to know Grace. Stand up, Grace. Say hi, Grace. Next week you'll know why. <laughs> yes. Giving back. Very good. Huh? Serving others. Oh, my God, you got it. You got it. I don't have to go to my notes. You see? But then he says that his joy will be our joy. Now, how can we do that? How can Jesus' joy become our joy? And that's the last question. How can Jesus' joy become our joy? The answer is in the board. Hint. Rejoicing in the Lord. I'm going to catch fire here. <laughs> Rejoicing in the Lord. Somebody got it. You see, Paul then tells us, rejoice in the Lord when? No. He says, rejoice in the, in the Lord when you got enough money. Rejoice in the Lord when you're healthy all the time. What's wrong with me? This is not my glasses. No, I'm making a point. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he wants to make an emphasis at it. And he says, and again I say, nah. rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord and again, I say, Rejoice. there you go. Experience the Word. Own the Word. Embrace the words that God gives us. So how do we rejoice in the Lord? I'm happy. I'm excited. Because you guys got it. Living the life of the church is rejoicing in the Lord. All those things that you said that makes Jesus happy, when we get into it, when we do them, when we get involved with people, when we help the poor, when we do all those things, we are literally rejoicing in the Lord. Yesterday, we had an amazing party downstairs. Santa Claus came uh, yesterday. He was a very strange Santa Claus uh, because he wouldn't move. It was Linwood. Uh-oh. 
But that's a helper. Come on. The real one doesn't show up and does things like that. He's too expensive. <laughs> Uh-oh. Now you know what I did. <laughs> when we live the mission of Jesus, when we move in the life of Jesus, when we become the hands and feet and even the mouth of Jesus, that's when he, Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You get it? We have our joy. The Lord, the joy has, the Lord has joy, the joy of the Lord. And then he invites us to rejoice in his joy. That my joy will be your joy. That's rejoicing in the Lord. That what makes me happy when people who are in darkness come to light. That what makes me joyful, Jesus said, when people who are confused find answers. People who are frowning begin to smile. People who are hurting begin to receive healing progressively. That's when we are rejoicing in the Lord. What makes the Lord joyful? Is us being in mission here and now. Amen.